0: Good evening. Uh, it's uh, about seven o'clock on Tuesday evening and it's my plan over the next few weeks anyway, few, a few weeks, probably through the end of the year to, uh, <clears throat> to do a Bible study on this, these, uh, these channels, the Facebook and YouTube channels. And uh, I appreciate any of you that are willing to join and join in. I will encourage you strongly. Uh, most of you that are joining, I know you, or we know each other somehow. So I would encourage you strongly to provide me any kind of feedback, anything, maybe questions that you want answered. Uh, not that I have the answers, but at least maybe we can question those two things together. Um, <clears throat> feedback on the format, any of those things. Uh, this is something that's helpful for me to do this study this way. It's uh, it's something that kind of pushes me forward. But I'm also hopeful, and I don't want it just to be about something I'm doing. I want it to be of help to you that are listening and watching. Um, so I, I hope you'll give me feedback uh, of any sort. If you want to email me, call me, you, all the different ways that you have to reach me. Uh, for those of you that are joining, if there is anyone that is maybe listening to this later that uh, you don't know me, my name is Matthew Tilly, and uh, I, um, I have a call on my life to be a, a preacher of the gospel of Jesus Christ and. Um, some of that involves certainly proclaiming truth, absolutely, and I want to have the opportunity to do that. But I really believe that that's going to show up most likely, most often in a format like this, maybe one-on-one, one-on-small groups. Uh, uh, trying to encourage people to actually pick up the Bible, the Bible, I've got a copy here, uh, pick that up, look at it, study it, try to understand it, and most importantly, apply it. So today um, it's the first episode of this. Uh, I had done this uh, oh, a year or so back and kind of took a break from it. Now I'm going to get back to it. So this, I guess the second inaugural episode uh, of this podcast style uh, uh, Bible study. And so today I want to do two things. One is i just want to give you some introductory thoughts about this, the way that I'm going to go about the Bible study that I hope will be a help to you um, and then begin Digging in a little bit. I'm just going to spend about 20-30 minutes with you, so I'm I'm going to try to keep myself to that because I could go on forever, and nobody's here to stop me, so I could keep on, and that's not helpful. But uh, I want to go about 20-30 minutes, and so we'll cover out those basic kind of. Here's how I want to study the Bible. Here's how I tend to approach that, and then as we have some time, I want to begin the to digging into uh, the subject that I want to cover for the next few weeks. And that is uh, the first three chapters of the Gospel of Mark. I really enjoy the Gospel of Mark. Had a chance to preach through most, most of that book um, over the over several years ago. And i really enjoyed going back again and studying and digging out some th- things, uh, particularly for, for sharing here. So we'll just look at the first three chapters over the next few weeks. And I want to try to introduce you to that to, uh, tonight. Uh, before I begin I'm just going to ask and I know this may seem performative but I, I really do want to take a minute to pray and I don't I don't mean to do this as part of some performance actually I'm asking the Lord to help me and I'm going to ask you to pray for yourself as well pray for uh, the Lord to to speak to you through uh, what we're going to talk about today uh to uh, to be able to encourage you so would you would you pray with me as as we uh, just begin this uh, this this evening now father we're we're going to do this together in in a in a separate sort of way using technology um i I pray that you will make this useful to those that are listening uh make it helpful to me um make there be some kind of connection again it's we're we're at a distance from each other so um i I know that we're this is not maybe ideal for some people but uh, i pray that you will use this means and mechanism for for both my benefit as well as those that are listening Help us to see things in your word that help us to, to be closer to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this will be a weekly broadcast. Uh, just the same way you're looking at it here is the way I intend to, to share it. So hopefully this is working for you. Um, if it's live or recorded, either way. So it'll be weekly. It'll be on Facebook as well as YouTube. So whichever is your preference is fine. I'll try to stick to the 7 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday. So that's that's the plan going forward. Um, and as we go through that, we're, it's really, I'm, I'm really focusing on this being a Bible study. So I'm going to, I'm going to be teaching you, um, talking to you. It's a one-way conversation. Although if you give me feedback, we can make it a little more of a two-way, but, um, there are some principles and I I laid these out in in a post that I just put out earlier today, but I want to talk about them for just a few minutes. 10 principles that I'm going to most, almost every time, if not every time, I'm going to try every time to put these 10 principles in play every time I open up the scripture, whether I'm preaching, I'm teaching, studying it for my own benefit, whatever those things are. And those 10 principles, first of all, number one, principle number one is to recognize that the Bible is God's word. That's important. Um, in fact, that's the point is it's important. Uh, this is not just another book. It is the Bible. It is scripture. It is the word of God and it matters. So the second principle then is because it's the word of God, it's a supernatural book. It has power to transform, to change. Um, if if we will simply hear, listen, obey, uh, it actually can make a difference in our lives. Uh, it's a supernatural book. The third principle that I'll apply is that the book is always about Jesus. And you may say, well, what about this obscure passage or this passage that says this or that? I, I want to tell you that while I don't know if I can explain every Every instance and every verse and how exactly it points to Jesus, I want to tell you that my bias, my assumption, and I think I think should be your assumption, of course, that's why I choose it as my bias, is that everything points to Jesus. It either tells us how man has failed and therefore needs a Savior, or shows us an example of someone who is doing well or doing the right thing and is Godward in his, his or her behavior, therefore reflecting the character of Christ or somehow showing us that because he's either missing or that he is present, it's showing us there's a need for a savior and his name is Jesus. Of course, we know that he came 2000 years ago in the form of a man. He is God, completely fully God. This is Philippians chapter two, completely fully God, came in flesh as a man, revealed himself to us as who he was, ultimately took on himself our sins and he died for us. And because of that, we can have new life because in in large part if not full part because he not only died but he came out of the grave again that all is uh, a summary of what do we call the gospel and that truth that that heart of the truth there that i just tried to just summarize in a few words that is what all of scripture is pointing to that he has done that for us so that and if you want to go to the end of this where does this end up he made that reconciliation so that we can have life with him. And so that life is going to be enjoyed in some part now on this planet, but there will be a time in the future in God's time where he will, he'll redeem everything. He will, he will burn up what is no longer good and he will redeem everything that he has redeemed. And he will allow us to have a new eternal life in him. And there'll be a new heaven, a new earth. And that starts to look at prophetic things. But all of that, all of scripture, rather, is pointing towards the fact that Jesus is the center of that. And that's the thing I'm going to I'm going to work hard to uncover make sure you see that it's not going to be as hard, obviously, in the gospel of Mark, because it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You'll see that in just a moment. But, uh, but when you go to some other passages, particularly Old Testament, it's something you might not obviously think, but I, I will always, if you're studying with me, if I'm working with you, we're talking together, I'm going to always push you in that direction. It's always about Jesus. Let me go to the fourth principle, and that the text, um, when we're looking at the text of scripture, we're going to know that it always means something, and whatever that is, again, it's going to mean different things, different texts mean different things, but whatever that answer is, the answer is not up to me. The, the, the statement, I believe it's the, it means this, or I feel this way, or I think it should be this way. None of that applies here because there is a God who wrote it. Remember we said it's the word of God. He wrote the Bible. It's his words. And it is our job to understand as best as we can, the Holy Spirit's help. What does he mean? And it's not my job to impose meaning. My job is to simply understand the meaning and then apply that meaning. So the text means something, and what it means is not up to me. It's ultimately God's meaning. Number five, principle number five, that the structure and the patterns of Scripture can give us clues as to what that meaning is. Um, <clears throat> the writer, in, in every case, we're looking at a human writer that God's used to breathe out his word and to pin it down for us. And those writers have, have, have some intent that God has given them to share with us. They've written that down, and that intent may not be obvious on the surface for us. If we're reading an English translation of the Bible, as I think we all are, at least I know I am, um, not, not much of a Greek reader myself or a Hebrew reader for that matter, but if you're reading an English translation of the Bible, what you're going to be seeing is something that may be a little foreign to you, a writer coming from a different culture, It is our job then to understand what is the context? What are the structures he or she is using? What are the things that are going on in this passage so that we can understand what is the original intent here? What is intended by this passage? Now, I don't think that's a very hard exercise. It's just one that you can't just assume that you know based on your, you know, just let me just open up the passage and read it. You're gonna have to rely on the Holy Spirit. You're going to have to do some study. You're gonna have to do some meditation. But those structures and the patterns of the text can give you some clues. Context, number six, context matters. So to read a verse in isolation is not a good idea. It's always good to read more of the passage, to understand how does that passage fit into that book and how that book fits into the whole canon of scripture. And when we do that, then we can start to understand a little more of what the writer's intent was. The seventh principle that I'm going to apply is that genre makes a difference. And that may not be a word you use a lot when it comes to the Bible, but there are different kinds of scripture. You're going to have poetry, say in the the Psalms, for example, which has a very different way of reading and understanding it than say some of Paul's writings, the epistles like Ephesians or Philippians, which are very different than say revelation, which is prophecy, looking forward to things that will happen. Again, it's not to say that they that they are not truth because they are all truth. They're God's truth. But the way that he expresses that in a poetic passage, like in, say, Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd, is going to be a very different thing that we need to understand and apply than if we're reading something that Paul says, which is more of a uh, of a passage where he is telling us, uh, teaching us something uh, very, very, uh, very standard way. So we have to make sure that, that we distinguish the differences between them, tease that out, understand it, and apply the knowledge that we, that we understand. How, what is, how, does, how does prophecy differ from poetry? Uh, number eight, um, the, there's always a story there. There's always a story there. There is a narrative to scripture, which I happen to believe, and I think I just told you, it goes all the way back to it's really about Jesus. In his, the arc of Jesus in the, the arc of history, Jesus in the ark of history, there's a narrative there. So if I take that big narrative, and then each of these little narratives, they fit into that, that is going to give me a lot of information about how that story fits into all of scripture. And the key to that is it's never going to contradict itself. Even whenever I'm looking at it and there's an apparent contradiction, I promise you that the storyline is continuous and it connects together. There will be some and maybe some that are watching and say, I don't believe that. Again, this is just going to be, I'm telling you, this is the way I believe. This is what I'm going to teach you as I I teach this to you. The number nine nine principle is that every word in scripture, every word, every word, the, the, the book of Genesis all the way to the end, Every word is for you, but it may not be necessarily about you. There are a lot of passages, particularly if you're looking at Old Testament passages, a lot of those passages uh, were written specifically to, Le- Le- book, the book of Levit- Leviticus is a good example of that. It was written to the, uh, the, the Israelite nation. That was who it was written to. It's God, you read, it's God speaking to Israel. However, there is information in there. That is, uh, as I believe the, the um, I believe it was Paul in Corinthians, he says something to the effect of that was given for our example. It was given to us for information. It was helpful to us. So we can learn lessons from, we can apply lessons from it, but we have to be careful to understand it wasn't necessarily to, or, or, or rather about us. It was for us, but not necessarily about us. And that's an important principle that we'll apply. Number 10, and lastly, there's a what I'll call the because then you must, or because, so you must principle. We do not study, I do not study scripture simply to know more about the Bible. I hope I do know more about the Bible. I hope you'll learn more about the Bible. But the reason we study scripture, the reason I'm going to study scripture and what I'm gonna encourage you to study scripture for is to, yes, understand the truth, but we're not done. That's not the point of the truth of the scripture. It's to understand the truth, so understand it better so that we may obey it. We understand it so that we may obey it. And there's a danger there. <laughs> when you learn something, you are now responsible for it. But that should be if you're a Christian, if Jesus is your Savior, if your hope is in heaven, if your hope in heaven is in, in, is in God himself and what he's done for you. If that's who you are, then that's, yes, there's a warning there, but there's really an encouragement there to know hey, my God has revealed himself to me in his word. I want to know more about him so that I can obey him, so that I can honor him, so that I can worship him, so I can please him appropriately. So those are the 10 principles that I want to apply as we study the scripture together. I hope that makes sense. I'd love to hear, if maybe if you had another one or two that you would add to that, I'd, I'd love to hear those. Uh, it's a worthy discussion, I think. Uh, we may come to different opinions on that and that's okay on a lot of those things. Uh, but uh, those are 10 principles that I'm going to hold as pretty rock solid. And uh, you keep me honest, if, uh, if I break any of those rules, uh, call me out on it. We'll, we'll make sure that we get straight because I think those are important to, to follow. I think for the next few minutes, and uh, based on my timeline, I have about 10 minutes, give or take, that I can spend with you, and I want to spend it uh, introducing you to the Gospel of Mark, and I think the best way to do that is actually look at the Gospel of Mark, and just looking at the first three verses uh, really is where I'll take, and, and most of it's really going to be in verse one, because I believe verse one is in its way a um, uh, title. Uh, it's definitely an introduction, but it's a title for this book um i know that if you have a bible like mine it probably says something like the gospel according to mark and that's how we think of it from a human perspective as the title but as the writer was john mark we believe i believe is the writer here as he writes down the beginning of the gospel of jesus christ the son of god he goes on and talks about that but that is i believe what he's intending as the title and i want to i want you to think about this title in the context i just just went on a whole discussion about context. So let's talk about context here for just a minute. Let's think about this title in context. So listen to what he says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. This is what he says. That's how he introduces this. So when it, when are we talking about the beginning, the beginning, the start, the inauguration, this is, this is the, the, the initial, uh, he says there, the, 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 the beginning, the start of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So he's saying, what we're about to do is this is about to begin. Something is about to happen. Something is about to start. Now, if you're like me I and mean, grown up in religious circles in the church and things like that, when I read the gospel of Jesus Christ, on the surface, my, my mind immediately goes to, well, this is the beginning of the story of Jesus. That's what I think of. But he says, when is this happening? This is the beginning. But what is going on, he says, is the gospel. And the gospel is more than just the story of Jesus. I, I gave you what I told you just a few minutes ago was a summary description of the gospel. That's the word I used. But the way Mark is using it here is he is not just using that word gospel as a, he's definitely not using it as a religious word at all. In fact, there's a there's a Greek word underneath it that um, I always completely butcher because I'm not a Greek scholar at all. But something to the effect of uh, "euangelion," something close to that. "Euangelion," the gospel, the good news. That's what that's what that word means. But again, this is we think of it today. When I say gospel, I think of gospel music, gospel choirs, uh, gospel preaching. Those are those are uh, modifiers I would use in today's language but when john mark is writing this and he says gospel it's not a religious word it's actually a political word he is saying this is the beginning the inauguration the start of something something that's getting going and it's the gospel the political victory it's the word that he that that most people in that time would have used In reference to maybe a Caesar taking power or a king that has become victorious over another kingdom. And now it's the gospel of the new king, the gospel of the Caesar, saying that this is good news that he now is the victor and he is in charge. So what is going on here? He's saying here, what I'm about to tell you is the inauguration, the beginning of a political victory of someone who's taking over, who's taking charge. There was an old kingdom, now there's a new kingdom in charge now. That's what he's talking about when he says the beginning of the gospel. Now, that alone is is interesting, I think. But what he goes next, this is this starts to be seditious. I mean, this is, starts to be uh, anti-government, whatever you want to say there. But it, it starts to get on some really uh, interesting, treading some interesting ground here. Because he says... It's the gospel, the political victory of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Now, he gives him a name. His name is Jesus. It's a pretty common name at at that time. Uh, uh, Jesus, Yeshua, uh, Joshua, we might have said uh, in in another translation, uh, Joshua. So it's a pretty common name. That's his name. But he's got a title. His name is Jesus, but his title is Christ. That is the one who would bring salvation. That's the one who's going to bring victory. That's the one who's going to bring hope. So, and and, and he's not just a, another at that time, there would have been a lot of people coming in saying, we're going to overthrow the government. We're going to, we got a better plan. But he says, This this Jesus, who is the Messiah, the Christ, he is the Son of God. He is not just any old Messiah. He is God in the flesh. Uh, Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 3 says that he is the express image of the person of God. He is everything that God is, yet he is a separate person. He is God, yet he is Jesus himself, and he comes in the form of a flesh. All of that is to say this. Mark is not just saying I'm about to tell you how Jesus started his ministry. He's saying something more than that. You understand that? He's saying, this is the inauguration of King Jesus. With all of the pomp, with all of the circumstance that goes along with a victorious leader who's ascending to the throne, who's taking charge. And that inauguration, this is where I'm going to leave you now. Cause that inauguration is, is intended to inspire hope for those who follow him because John Mark is not writing to just anybody. He's writing primarily to Roman Christians. He's writing at a time when Nero would have been t- probably around that time. There's a little bit of debate about that to be fair, but, but it was definitely a lot of these, these, these um, Caesars were anti-Christian They would have been against everything the Christians were for. And so he's writing to those people who are in Rome, Christians in Rome, followers of Jesus. And he's telling them, listen, don't worry about what Nero or whatever the Caesar would have been at the time. Don't worry about them. Let me tell you that your king is here. So I read it to you again. He says the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God. That's what this book is about. The first three chapters are really just about Jesus coming, his entry, his, his walking through and saying, I am here. And that's what we're going to get to study. So next week, we'll look at what that hope looks like and what that hope that he's bringing. We'll look at the next couple of verses. I'll just give you a heads up if you wanted to study ahead in verses two and three. Uh, those are both prophetic or rather references to prophetic uh, passages. In verse two, it's a passage in Isaiah um, chapter 40. Uh, Verses three through eight is the passage that he's referencing there. And then in verse three, he's referencing Malachi chapter three. I think it's specifically, um, I think it's specifically verse around verse one or two. But anyway, it's the passage verses one through six of Malachi chapter three. So if you want to study ahead, we'll look into that next week. Well, I think I'm at my time and uh, you're probably at your attention span uh, limit. So I'm going to go ahead and say goodnight to you. It's uh, wonderful to have those of you that have joined live. Thank you for doing that. Those of you that are watching after after the fact, uh, really appreciate you joining in as well. Uh, Please, again, once again, give me feedback. Love to hear it. And uh, we'll continue to do this uh, each week. And I hope this will be be a productive study for you. Y'all have a great week. We'll talk to you next week.